Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. I'm your host, Emma, and each week I'm out and about chatting to Londoners and those who love, live and work in this big and glorious city. This week, my podcast guest is Abigail Tripp. Abigail, by total coincidence, has just started working at St John's Waterloo with Giles Goddard, the vicar of the church. Abigail has lived in Waterloo for over 25 years and despite that being her central place, her rooted place, she also is a huge traveller, a swimmer and a cyclist. We have a lovely conversation about where to swim, both wild swimming and lido swimming in London, as well as further afield to Mersey Island. So stay tuned and enjoy this podcast. This podcast also goes out to the lovely couple from Washington who apparently listened to the Travelling Through podcast and last week visited Candiero, the gelato shop, with the wonderful Vittoria San Vicente. So hello to you too um, and I'm so glad that you enjoy listening to the podcast. That gave me a huge lift and I hope you enjoy this podcast too. So here we go. These are Abigail's thoughts on London, the world and life. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Travelling Through podcast. Today I am in Archbishop's Park in South East London, SE1 in fact, with Abigail Tripp. Hello Abigail. Hello, it's, it's such a lovely day. Isn't it fantastic? I oh. think when, when we first started talking about this, it was definitely colder and wetter. It was definitely. <laughs> yeah, first day out without my woolly hat on and my coat and uh, <laughs> I've still not taken my jumper off quite yet, but I, I know it will happen soon. You're in a shirt, so yep. it's, uh, you've been sunning yourself on the balcony. So yeah, yeah. You live locally to here. Yeah, yeah. So I live very close to Archbishop's Park. I've lived in Waterloo for nearly 25 years now. So I, I moved here when I first met uh, my now husband, Kevin. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we met nearly 20, uh, just over 25 years ago in the January. Wow. And we went to a beer festival in the May where we proposed to each other. <laughs> And then we got married in the August. Oh, very good. You, when you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and quarter of a century later. Yeah, we're still we're still here. We're still, still happily married. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So that's kind of the story of Waterloo, really, for me. I, like a lot of people, just thought Waterloo was a station, and I didn't. You know, when people said they lived in Waterloo, I just thought, what? No one lives <laughs> there. And I didn't know the area at all. So when I first met Kev, we would, you know, meet, go to his flat in just off um, Waterloo Road and every time we went for a walk during the day or in the evening we we would go over a different bridge. Okay yes because we've got Waterloo Bridge, Lambeth Bridge, Southwark Bridge nearby as well. Yeah so that that's kind of how I got to know the area and ah. you know things like discovering Archbishop's Park which is an absolute hidden gem and we shouldn't really be talking about it because I don't want loads of people to come here. <laughs> um. This is where I used to come <laughs> running when I had the bookshop, which is where we first met, um, I lived above the shop, but not many people knew I did. And in the morning, seven o'clock, I used to come running around this park and there's nobody around. And it's such a lovely, quiet space, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, I, it, it, it's just so, it is so lovely. And it's so important when you live in a flat and you're right in central London to have this space. And, yes, yeah. you know, I think that's why I like Lots of reasons why I like Waterloo. I mean, obviously meeting Kev and falling in love and getting married is great. <laughs> you, you like an area, but after a couple of years getting involved with the community, meeting lots of different people, that you do realise Waterloo is a village. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a got, got a population of approximately 8,000 people. And because of things like, I don't know, I live in a housing co-op 
therefore I know pretty much all my neighbours because mm -hmm. we meet to make decisions and chat a lot. Um, and then through all the community projects and just different things I got involved with early on, like there was a big art project with a group of artists, the Young Vic Theatre kind of hosted it and that was that was in about 1999 because it was kind of getting stuff ready for the millennium. Oh gosh, yes, that and seems such a long time ago now, doesn't it? <laughs> and my, my stepson was staying with us at the time, he was about 10 or 11, so he got involved with it. And people we met in that project are still our best friends. Wow. And, yeah. and we, we, we never would have met, I mean, Kath Circus, um, Adrian, Kath's really involved with Southwark Playhouse and you know, so we've been to loads of stuff there because of her and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and Adrian, he's just, you know, really, really good friend. We did a trip to the Barbican the other day because he hadn't been there for ages. And that, that's what it is with an area. Like, I didn't grow up in London, mm. um, but I always wanted to live in London. Yeah, And it was yeah, yes. never... It was always on the cars that you were <laughs> yeah, coming here. It was so. like, age 19, I moved to London on my own. <laughs> I've but got it's to get true. To London. <laughs> it's true. I mean, having the bookshop too, I had mm. no idea what a vibrant community and connected community there was, and strong community spirit there was here in South East One, so SE One, um, and a lot of poets as well. So yeah. A huge poetry, artistic uh, types, and um, and and literally, they are. You're all living very close to one another, streetwise, just behind Lower Marsh and round Waterloo. But the, the co-op side is quite an interesting thing because there's quite a lot of the co-op um, building, buildings that are cooperatively run. Yeah. And to those listening from across the world who may not know what that is, could you explain how that works? Yes, yeah, so Waterloo in the early 70s, so it's way before I moved here, you had the Coin Street Action Group. And they noticed then that every time a plot of land became available people just wanted to build office blocks mm. so there was nowhere for people to live and housing was you know council housing into like into get into the late 70s early 80s yes. obviously council houses could then be bought and sold so the community was leaving and they just thought well actually this is a great place to live and it we need to protect the community so one of the ways of doing that is to to form a housing co-op um, so a lot of the housing co-ops in Waterloo, I think there's 13 in total, mm -hmm. um, which apparently is in such a small area is the highest number of housing co-ops in the whole of Europe. Okay. So if you think of there's a population of 8,000 in a very small area yes, around Waterloo, that's... so that's the equivalent of the parish of St John's Church, there's 8,000 people. Yes. There's 13 housing co-ops, that's quite a lot. Um, but they vary. So the one I live in is still Southwark Council, so people can still buy their council flat mm -hmm. and lots of people have yes but we manage it as a co-op so we meet once a, once a year for a big AGM we're a separate cooperative limited not-for-profit company mm -hmm. and and then we make the decisions on the estate we employ a part-time estate manager and a part-time gardener mm -hmm. and there's 63 flats so it just means that if a job needs doing, it gets done really quickly. Yeah, like if, yes. as a council tenant, your plumbing's not working, it gets sorted really quickly because you just phone the office. Yes. And, oh yeah, and we also have a part-time caretaker. So we directly employ those three people. Okay. As well as do lots of stuff on the estate ourselves. Yeah. Um, but it also must bring the community, uh, when there's so many of you living together, it would be hard otherwise for you all to meet, I suppose, and, and it's a way of 
communicating yeah. uh, when things are going well as well as when thing, things are, aren't going so well too. Yeah. To resolve. Absolutely. And we all live on different levels. I mean, I'm on the second floor of our bit of the building. It's kind of a U shape with a garden in the middle. So many years ago, I, I did the first annual barbecue. So in the summer, everyone gets together. Yeah. Um, and during lockdown, because, you know, there's a the whole social distancing, you could meet at one point, I think it was six people socially distanced outside. So there was a regular Wednesday afternoon meeting in the garden of yeah. socially distanced chairs so that people could see a different human being. Yeah, and, yeah. very important. To you know, when different people, um, you know, would turn up each day or you could shout down from your balconies just to say hi. Mm -hmm. And that, that was really, really important. And, you know, we have a nut, quite a number of people who, you know, are retired now, quite a number of people who live on their own, who weren't getting any contact because they mm. lived on their own. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that makes a huge difference. And because you're a housing co-op, you see each other. We have two meetings a year, a general meeting and annual general meeting where you, you know, you, you do the business stuff and, and then you sit and chat. I mean, yes, that, that's the yes, most important social. part of it. Um, and I'd never lived in a housing co-op before I moved into um, the one in Waterloo. And, yeah, it was, it was a revelation for me. I'd, I'd lived at home, obviously, growing up, and then, like a lot of people, lived in a shared house, mm -hmm. you know, a mm -hmm. private rental shared house, yeah. which is real lucky dip. Yes, it you is know, lucky dip. <laughs> I'd, I'd been quite lucky. I'd, a flat I'd rented when I first moved to London, so that was when I was doing a year work placement for my course. I worked in um, magazine publishing for... A, a year almost a year mm -hmm. and I lived in East London and it was a a friend of a friend who'd moved in with his girlfriend so his flat was empty he just wanted somebody to rent it who he could trust you know he didn't want to go through agencies didn't want any yes, hassle yes. Um, and, and that was fantastic because it was just such good timing because I couldn't afford to commute to London mm. from my parents because the season ticket was too expensive yeah they and, yeah, and when you do, we're well, doing a work placement. I mean, of it was course. a paid work placement. But still, it's not that much money. But you weren't paid a lot. No. So he agreed to like rent the flat at something like half the half the fee of the season ticket. Okay. <laughs> My goodness. So it, I was really lucky yeah, then, yeah, yeah. and so I lived in that for like about nine months. Okay. I mean, we did have mice at one point, but <laughs> I think that <laughs> but, is know. quite prevalent in London, certainly above. <laughs> The bookshop I had a, a couple of mice families mm. who visited me fairly frequently but in the yeah. end you just learn to live with them <laughs> you learn to live around each other yeah and I mean even there because the guy who'd lived in it, it was his flat this guy called Gary you know he he'd lived there a long time and got to know quite a lot of people so he did introduce me to like the neighbors and the the family that ran the like curry I wouldn't say restaurant it's more like a cafe but mm. they sold curries and stuff he introduced me to them and, and that was great because at one point there was a problem with the electrics and I couldn't change the bulb above the big double bed in the bedroom. So I just couldn't reach it, even on ladder, because it was directly above the bed. It was impossible. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh. you know, so I knocked on the neighbour and, you know, they, they, the guy came down and he fixed it. And, you know, that was really cool. So I think it's partly attitude where you live as to what friends you make in London. Definitely. definitely. And that, that was like Forest Gate near West Ham. And then after that, I lived in Leightonstone for a couple oh, of years. Yeah, yeah. And again, that we were quite fortunate with that house. And this is all before I met Kev. Um, our partner at the time, we were both working at stockbrokers. And someone else was renting that house and they were moving out because they were buying a flat. 
So the landlord had just said to them, do you know any of your mates who want to rent? So we just got that house. Yeah, yeah. And we could only just afford it right. because we didn't want to share. And it was a three bedroom house. There's only two of us. <laughs> and that's at one point we met... That's really, isn't it? I know. We met, we met the brother of the guy because he was in charge of renting the house out. And he was trying to put the rent up. And like in the end, we managed to get it like the same as what our friends had been paying that year. Okay. He agreed to it because I worked at, at the time. Actually, no, by then I think I was working for Royal Mail. I'd just changed jobs and my partner was still working at Stockbroker. And because I had a Royal Mail email address, early days of email, very, very early days <laughs> of Lotus Notes email. Oh gosh. Um, and him and his brother both worked for Royal Mail. They were like, well, that's okay because we know where you are. Like, if you don't pay the rent. <laughs> we know where, we know we know where you work. You. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think that helped a lot. Yeah. And yeah. that was, yeah, that was a house. And before that, I'd lived in a couple of student houses. Yes. Studying. And so to meet Kev and like when, when I first met him, so we volunteered at Crisis at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I volunteered with a friend and she said, oh, oh, I, I bumped into another friend and she's like, oh yeah, I'm volunteering with this guy called Kev. You should meet him. Um, and we never got a chance to meet because I was mainly working in the women-only shelter. Mm-hmm. So in January, Crisis do generally do a big party for the volunteers, and that's that's where I met Kev. Right. Okay. Um, you know, you don't wear your best clothes when you're volunteering for Crisis at Christmas because you know you end up cooking, driving a van, exactly. all sorts of yes. things. And then when we turned up for the volunteers' party, I was like, oh, hasn't really changed, has he? <laughs> You got any other clothes? You know, <laughs> really laughing at his baggy jeans, and that was really funny. And then, and then when he said, "Oh yeah, I live in Waterloo," I was like, "How can you possibly Why afford would... to yes. live in Waterloo?" Yeah, exactly. I was just like judging completely. Like, okay, and he's going, "Yeah, I can hear Big Ben from my flat." I was like, "Nah, it's true." Nah. In fact, in fact, we are looking almost. Yes. There's St Thomas's Hospital there. Yeah. The building directly opposite was where it was one of the first places I worked in London when I came to London from Edinburgh. And it's true, for me it was just office buildings and some, some uh, there's a housing block here. Um, but apart from that, I didn't think anybody lived, lived around here. So it was a real eye-opener. Mm. Um, and I no wonder, as a result, you haven't wanted to move out of Waterloo. Or has there ever been a moment when you thought, you know what, why don't we go and live somewhere else? ever crossed your mind to do that? I think having lived in the countryside, this was kind of where I grew up in a really small town in Hertfordshire, absolutely detest the idea of living in the countryside. Yeah. I like going there and I'll go there for holidays, but I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to live in a small town or a small kind of village. It's, it's just there's just not enough interesting people there's not enough diversity there's not enough to do. Yeah, yeah. Like you go on a bike ride and you're like oh it's another field. You know, as I go on a bike ride around London, oh, there's a brilliant piece of street art. Oh, look at that architecture. Look at this, look at that. Average speed of the cars is 10 miles an hour. I go out to where I used to live. I don't see another cyclist. The cars on average drive 50 miles an hour. Yes, down the little lanes. (laughs) Yeah, and then the tiny streets in my hometown are absolutely gridlocked. You cannot cycle there because there isn't any space for you to cycle your bike. Yes the car is completely dominant as a result um that actually there's reasonably good bus services mm. still yeah. it's a really good train line to london cambridge harlow Sawbridge. you know it's, it's bishop stortford where i grew up mm-hmm. and 
yeah, it's... But the London... But the London thing is just like, you know, in living in Waterloo, you've just got the best of everything because, yeah, you've got Archbishop's Park, walk over Westminster Bridge, you're in St James's Park, yes. from there you're in Green Park and then you're in Hyde Park, you can walk or cycle. Exactly. Um, you you're know, jumping from one Oxford to the next, aren't you? And then, of course, you've got Waterloo Bridge mm. and the South Bank and that massive expanse of water, which gives you light and the connection to the sea. And when the tide's coming in and the wind's blowing in from the sea, you can smell the sea. Mm. And, mm. and for me, that's so important. I, yeah. I love the water. I love, you know, open water swimming. So I, I used to do loads of sailing, I've, I've done canoeing and, you know, so just being in touch with the water is, yeah, it absolutely makes it for me. I mean, there are times where we thought, oh God, it's just so busy in Waterloo, you can't walk up the pavement. But then you kind of know all the back streets to go down exactly, and yes. you can avoid it. I mean, I absolutely loved lockdown. I was going to say, because that... <laughs> It that was, was a like, huge game changer, wasn't it, for many people? You, you kind of... Um, in, in terms of going outside, yeah, it was crap that you can go to the pub and get a beer and, you know, all of those kind of things and meet your friends mm. and, you know, but in terms of discovering new cycling routes and, you know, just, just really exploring London on my bicycle and just yes. that lack of traffic yes. and noise. Yeah. There wasn't the noise, there wasn't the pollution. The airplanes, like this one There wasn't there. airplanes. <laughs> um, yeah, the silence. Uh, and also, I think for a lot of it, they was, were working on Big Ben as well, weren't they? They so, were, yes. Yeah. So it was just like, there's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no noise, so, yeah, so I think. A lot of people felt they had reclaimed their, their neighborhood. Yeah, uh, I, th I think it made me doubly appreciate every single green space tree blade of grass daisy you know it completely made me value that even more which I, I really do value yeah and that's what you're saying earlier about would you ever leave waterloo um i don't particularly like little villages and little towns because that's where i grew up and you yeah. know i couldn't wait to leave and i always feel a bit uncomfortable but what i do love is being in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. I like those two extremes. So I've, I've done a, two trips over the years up to a place called Noidar in Scotland, um, which is the most remote part of the whole of mainland Scotland. Okay, so whereabouts is that? I should know being a Scot, but I don't. So You can get a boat from Malague. Oh yes. Across to um, in, Inverie is the, the town. Tiny, well, town, tiny little village got a Inverary. pub. Inverary. No, Inverary, I-N-V-E-R-I-E. Okay, Inverary. Inverary. Um, and it's got another settlement, let's say, with one house called Dune. Yes. Um, but it's separated from the rest of Scotland by a ridge of mountains. <laughs> and it's this little bit that sticks out opposite Sky. Okay. And, and it's, it's just incredible. So I've done two trips there where you basically meet with a group. Um, they're kind of like people that do therapy and walking. Okay. So they're trained therapists, um, and it's to get you really in touch with nature. So you do what's called a th you build up to it. Yeah. Preparation of walking slowly in silence with a group, mm -hmm. um, and then discussing how that made you feel. So you might do it for initially for like ten minutes, and then it gets longer and longer till you you walking with the group for two hours in complete silence. silence. Yes. Which, which I love. I crave silence. Um, 
and then you do a 36 hour solo. So you spend 36 hours on your own in the middle of the wilderness. You just leave, you've got your rucksack and a cover and whatever. Yes. Um, and some people stay out completely overnight. I mean, I didn't, I stayed out really, really late. I had no, you have no idea what time is. You don't have a phone or a watch. Brilliant. Yeah. In fact, your, your phone wouldn't work anyway. <laughs> and yeah, you just, you're just on your own. Wow. And it, yeah, I can, even now I can draw strength from that. And I've done that twice, once as a kind of introductory thing. And then once as like alumni, people who've done it go back. And I'd love to do more of that kind of thing. I've done a couple of urban solos where I get up before sunrise, mm -hmm. just go for a walk. And then when it feels right, just sit okay. and you just sit. So where do your urban solos take you to when you when you set off? Where have you ended up? I've, I've ended up just in Trafalgar Square. Okay, yes. Which from about, you know, sort of four o'clock in the morning, you just sit. And I'd usually do it on a Saturday into the Sunday. Okay. And, and you just watch the lights change, the shadows, the people, the traffic gets busy, it gets quiet. Yeah. You, you, you know, I know exactly where the sun rises in Trafalgar Square. And you just you just sit. Mm -hmm. That's it. And another place I've ended up in is just St James's Park. Just find a really nice spot, and and that's it. You sit within a five meter radius, so you can kind of move a little bit. But you, yes. And you, the whole point is you just watch nature. There's so much nature in Trafalgar Square. Yeah. Certainly a lot yeah. of pigeons. <laughs> so much going on, and then obviously St James's Park is brilliant because yes. you've got yeah. the lake and. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time in my life I'd watched a duck wake up. Because the ducks are just there, they're kind of floating with their heads tucked under their wing and yes. you just see them, like, lift one little eye, like, look, pops up and then they, like, kind of do a little shake and then they look the other side and, and then they kind of pop up as if someone's blown air into them mm. and they just kind of go pop. Wow. And then they're like, oh. And you can see they're a bit drowsy, they're sort of swimming weirdly. And then, you know, you see all of them just wake up. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. God, I feel really privileged having seen that, you know? It's so lovely. And do you um, think you're now that, is that more of a springtime activity that you do? Or have you done that in the, in no. the winter? No, no, both of those the have been... In the winter, I suppose. No, both of those have been, um, when I've done them, been like October, November. Okay. Because if you do it this time of year, you've, um, you have to get up even earlier. You do, yeah. <laughs> Um, very, very strategic, <laughs> strategic and, and I think kind of October as well, it, it, you know, I mean, I look at the weather forecast and obviously if it's going to be absolutely awful, I won't do it. If it's no. pouring with rain, there's no point. No. Um, and that's the other important thing that I learned from doing these ones up in Scotland is to always have a, a sit mat. So mm -hmm. just a small thing that you sit on so your bum keeps dry and warm. Yes. Um, and even today... I have an empty plastic carrier bag in my bag, okay. so I can always sit on it. And it, it <laughs> Just it, in case. Well, it means well, you can not? sit anywhere, because yeah. even in the summer there might be a bit of dew on the ground, yeah. or yeah, yeah. Someone, they, all the benches are full and you don't want to sit on the grass. It's yes, like because oh. yesterday it poured with rain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, and that's a, just a habit I've really picked up from that. And um, yeah, I just so always prepared for nature, even in the, in the middle of the city. That's yeah. what I, I think you just see more nature in London yes. than I would in my hometown. Okay, interesting. I've never heard of that. Particularly, it's a really good thing to try. Particularly Hyde Park, St James's Park, because mm. it is an absolute mecca for migrating birds. Mm. Yes. 
it's just incredible. I mean, my, my friend's a real bird watcher and naturalist, and you know, he was he told me that because he used to live in London, and you know, and I was just like, God, you're right. There are so many different types of duck or geese that you you know you'd have to go to a, a reserve off the coast of, like Norfolk to mm -hmm. see. I reckon that many different ducks. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, so it's lovely. So that brings me nicely onto one of our yeah. discussions I remember we had at the, at the shop was um, talking about swimming. Mm. And, um, mm. oh, school's out. Yeah. <laughs> they're in their summer clothes already. Oh, it is, yes. Um, so, and one of the places that mm. you 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 talked about which i still haven't been to which i'd love to go to is to a Mer is it mersey island yes so um can you tell me a bit about that because it's it's only like an hour and a half on the train isn't it to get there and what is it that got you into swimming first of all and why mersey island okay so swimming is in my family my i'm the youngest i've got two older brothers and an older sister and when we were growing up there was this big campaign in, in the 70s about getting people swimming and um, it was called Sport For All. Mm -hmm. I can still see the, the logo in my head. And I think it was partly that, but my parents really wanted us all to learn to swim. It's a good life skill to have and mm -hmm. to recognize danger signs if you're in the sea. So my parents basically brought us up swimming. I remember learning to swim. Obviously you don't remember learning to walk because you just kind of walk, but I don't know which <laughs> came first because I was literally in a swimming pool. Okay. Like as from, the, uh, from uh, very early age. before I could walk, I was okay. definitely in a swimming pool. Yes. And you know, I can remember being aged about six or seven and going to the pool and the lifeguards jaws dropping as this like confident six year old would dive in the deep end and swim a length underwater. And they'd be <laughs> like, oh, it's right, she has popped up. <laughs> and I used to do it deliberately to wind them up. And then I realised how annoying that was because at the same swimming pool, I then became a lifeguard as an adult. So I'm you like, knew. oh, that's so annoying when you've got a really cheeky little kid who swims a length underwater because we had this one kid who used to come. And I'm like, oh my God, that's me. <laughs> so yeah, swimming's always been there. We were in galas and all sorts of stuff. Yes. And, you know, and I've just kept the love of swimming because I was never massively into the competition side of it. Mm -hmm. um, I did a few competitions and things, but I just like swimming and I've, I've always kept it up. And my best friend um, is called Tania. We, we grew up together. We swam together as kids and, you know, we still swim together now. We probably about once a week we meet um, at a pool. Mm -hmm. Often London Fields Lido because it's lovely 50 metre pool. Yes. And yeah, so I've, we've kept up swimming. I think when you have a best friend that you do an activity with as well. Like we've done loads of other things together in our life, but swimming is the absolute thing that bonds us. Like yes. she's lived in France and Germany and I've gone to visit and you know, it's like, so where are we swimming? Brilliant. You know, yeah. it's not what's for dinner or where we're going to go for a beer or it's like, where is there a pool? <laughs> and she's like, of course there's a pool, you know. She's always would have found all the swimming pools. So um, yeah, so swimming kept us kept us together really I, I suppose in a lot of ways because mm. I think it's really important to have a positive thing you do with your mates I've got yes. friends yeah I can go to the pub with get drunk fall over but I, I'd rather do something a bit more constructive I don't mind having that as well but you, <laughs> you know swimming balance, <laughs> yeah swimming and cycling I've just I've just got so many friends now through particularly through cycling mm -hmm. um, so yeah the idea of the trip to Mersey Mersey Island um, so many, many years ago, me and my husband used to go camping a lot in Brightlingsea. Mm -hmm. 
which if you live in the area is called Brittlesea. Okay. Brittlesea. Didn't know that. Brittlesea, you say it really quickly. It's not Brightling Sea, it's Brittlesea. Brittlesea. And Brittlesea is opposite Mersey Island. There's a little strait of water that you have to get across. Um, and Brightling Sea has the most amazing outdoor Lido, which has been rescued by the community. So I've seen it, it's like 20 years ago, just about opening in the summer, run by the council, not got much money to the last few years ago, the local community were supported by the council to take on the running and take over this amazing Lido. And it's literally on the edge. And there's the massive estuary of a couple of different rivers there, the Crouch and another river, I can't remember, Chelma probably. And then there's the Blackwater and then there's the English Channel, you mm-hmm. know. So it's, it's an amazing area with a little line of beach huts. So I, I'd heard the community had taken it over. So I said to my friend Tanya, we have to go to Brightling Sea Lido. We've both been camping there before and swum in it, but yes. like now it's been taken over the community. We need to show support. Yes. Yeah. So I arranged like a swimming weekend for us, a cycling swimming weekend, staying in Brightling Sea, going to the Lido, and then going across on a little boat, a little foot ferry with our bicycles to Mersey Island. Mm-hmm. And of course, the other amazing thing from Mersey Island is the oysters. Yes, I've heard about the oysters. <laughs> and the restaurant called The Company Shed, where you can get any kind of seafood you want. But yeah. I mean, I, personally, I just, I love oysters. So, yeah, so we did this fabulous trip. We, you just stick your bikes on the train from Liverpool Street to Wivenhoe. Mm-hmm. And Wivenhoe is a stunning little village on the river as well. Amazing yeah. place. Okay. Loads of history there. Lovely old houses and is thatch it? and yeah. thatched places and... Um, yeah, so we got the train from there. You're selling it to me. <laughs> yeah, and then from there, mostly there's um, there's one bit of like main road, and then you get onto a cycle track which runs alongside the main road practically the whole way to Brightlingsea. Oh, brilliant! And so it's like a off. tree tunnel alongside the road. Oh, it's lovely. really beautiful. Yeah. And then you drop down into Brightlingsea, and we stayed at a pub, just did B and B, and they had somewhere we could lock our bikes, and then we kind of got there in the afternoon, went straight to the Lido priority swimming mm-hmm. and, and then came back to the pub to have a beer and they were like oh where have you been like, oh well we've been to the Lido they go oh really I said yeah that's the whole reason for the trip and then they were straight on the phone to the Lido people going we've got people staying here <laughs> they've gone to the Lido they've come because they saw it on the TV or something <laughs> and then yeah the Saturday we got up early to get the first boat across to Mersey Island with our bikes yeah. and when I say foot ferry like it's literally a boat with an outboard engine and you stick your bikes on it and you go across and it pulls up onto a shingle beach. Yes. Then you get off the shingle beach, you have to carry your bikes into the nature reserve and then there's like a, a bit of a path yeah. to get onto a country lane. Yeah. And then that's where they do a park run, which my friend was doing the park run that morning. Okay. Yeah. Um, back then I wasn't doing any running. Now I would do it, but... Yeah, so we did the park run, then we did this massive tour of Mersey Island, did a couple of swims, got cut off by the tide on a beach. Um, so had to stay an extra hour on the beach before the tide went a bit. Yeah, that's so, one of the things that we forget, isn't it? The, tide, uh, the whole tidal thing. Well, we, we had the tides all worked out because we knew which time would be good for swimming. Mm-hmm. You know, when the tide is like coming in because then you don't get swept out to sea by the tide so that was a good time we did a really really long swim and then of course by the time we came back the boardwalk that we'd walked our bikes across to get onto the beach we didn't realize that 
um, the water was going to go around the outside of the beach uh, and it actually oh. completely cuts off the beach. So you're like a little island. <laughs> so we were stuck for an extra hour, which was fine. We had picnic and it was sunny. And then, um, yeah, we, we, yeah, so eventually the tide went out enough that we could wheel our bikes through the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did a bit more cycling around. We had the oysters and then we thought, right, we better get back now. So we get back to this little shingle beach where we're getting the ferry. Um, Unlike said to my friend, um, you know when we got the first ferry this morning and he put a flag on the beach to say ferry, the flag's not there. And we're like, we'd missed the you, last oh, boat. Yeah. We can go down yeah, here. Um, yeah, so we, we'd missed the last ferry. Are you all right taking your new uh, shoes across yeah. the ground? Oh yeah, it's all dry, they won't get muddy. <laughs> yeah, so we'd missed this blooming last ferry. So and then, of course, the first thing is you get your phone out, yeah. oh, and we've both hardly got any battery left. <laughs> because then we're looking at a 25-mile bike ride. Oh, crikey. To get, to get back the, to Brightlingsea. My goodness. And we could then also, the 25-mile bike ride includes the causeway, which, when the tide comes in again, gets flooded. Of course. So the the road gets flooded. Yeah, yes. So we were like... Oh, what are we going to do? And there was a couple on the beach who had a canoe. <laughs> we were like, no, okay, it's not going to fit. But they were like, no, I haven't seen the ferry for a while. So then I just thought, what are we going to do? So we phoned like the harbour master yeah. at Brightling City because it's a you know it's a proper harbour. Didn't answer the phone. It was ringing off the wall, ringing off the wall, ringing. And eventually this this voice said, hello. <laughs> I'm like, is that the harbour master at Brightling City? He went, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I said, look, we're completely stranded on Mersey Island. Any chance you can come over and get us? And this guy said, yeah, 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 of course I can. Um, but it won't be for about an hour because he's ferrying people from a floating pontoon <laughs> onto the mainland. And he's going, I've got a lot of ferrying to do, then I'll come over and get you. And honestly, I've never been so relieved to see someone in my entire life. <laughs> Me and my friend were sitting there and it was like about half six in the evening. I mean, it was in the summer, but, you know, we'd been out since seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much, you know, our phones were dying. We'd run out of pretty much all our water. Not much food left. And then we're like, <laughs> this, honestly, this guy turned up and he, he, he was quite a handsome young man as well. We were both like, oh, helps. oh my God, thank you so much. I like, just wanted to kiss him. <laughs> Poor guy, yeah. overwhelmed oh. by you two relieved women. God, it was so, oh, it was so funny. But so, it was, it was it's such a gorgeous place, Mersey Island. I mean, I've, I've camped on the island with Kev and mm-hmm. his family as well a few times. And it's just got everything. It's got a brewery, it's got vineyards, it's got oysters, it's got a massive nature reserve, beautiful shingle beach, mm-hmm. and, and then sandy beaches around the other side and, you know, and the bit that we arrived on is the, the bit near Brightlingsea is the nature reserve bit and there's tiny little lanes. There's no traffic on it. Yeah, you get yeah. into like Mersey town, there's a bit, bit of traffic there, but even that's not much. And, and then you've got the river that comes down from Wivenhoe mm-hmm. um, on the other side of it as well. So it's, yeah, it's just, yeah, for me, it's just got a, a bit of everything. You've and definitely sold it to me. I've got to get there this year. Mm. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of Essex. I mean, I, I grew did up. Did you grow up in? Well, I grew up in Bishop Stortford, which is Hertfordshire, but it's right on the border of Essex. So, yeah. you know, I know that it's got beautiful places. A lot of people diss Essex and 
it, it's just the most beautiful place and it's probably I mean a lot not, of historic buildings in Essex so well, many really like thatched, thatched houses yes. and fabulous pubs and amazing food and yeah. and fish and seafood because it's got so much coast you yeah. know it's like yeah, Hertfordshire is landlocked and Essex has got this fabulous coastline yeah so. yeah yeah yeah. So coming back to, to London and your, and your swimming activities, have you actually gone wild swimming in London, like gone in the Serpentine and gone up to up to um, Hampstead Heath and swum in the ponds up there or anything? Or are you very much a Lido lady? Uh, both really. If there's water, I want to swim in it. Okay. <laughs> doesn't really matter what it is. Yeah. I've, I've swum a lot in the in the Serpentine and that was, the Serpentine was the first place that opened for swimming after lockdown. Mm-hmm it's outdoors and stuff so um that's when i joined because i'd always I'd, I'd swum there a couple of times just as a guest um yeah so that summer 2020 i did a lot of swimming in the light in in serpentine yeah. which is also called a lido or lido is it okay um but is it very cold <coughs> to swim in um, it's just cold fresh water yeah i mean i've tried a couple of winter swims but i, I can't do it it's just too cold, too cold for me yeah. i'm not I'm not that hardy. I'm more of a spring and summer <laughs> okay. outdoor swimmer. But I've, the other place, really, Hampstead Ponds, again, I think I've done the ladies' ponds a couple of times. It, it's a really long way. Yes. Yeah. And, and when I you're like, from South London. <laughs> it, it's quite a long way to get there. And um, yeah, it's, it's good. But of course, the men's pond is much bigger. Mm-hmm. The ladies' pond is really small, and it's great for having a little dip and doing a gentle circuit, and then sitting on the grass for the picnic. But like, I actually go swimming when I go swimming, okay, and I want to, so. I want to swim front crawl for, you know, like an hour okay. or something. And oh my goodness! So I mean, I usually, I usually do swimming. around. I aim to do a minimum two kilometres when I go swimming. Do you? Oh gosh. So the, the probably the best place we found, me and my friend Tania and is is the reservoir in in Hackney so it's at the top of Clissold Park is the castle climbing center yes which is, is a funny castle shaped building that used to be the pumping station for that reservoir which is now a, a kind of water sports center so it's west reservoir okay and they opened for swimming again in a lockdown so they used to do a couple of evening swims and then it's all like canoeing and windsurfing and you couldn't swim in it so there was just a few opportunities, but when everything opened after lockdown that first summer, it was actually outdoor swimming is the one thing we can do mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you're in a boat, you've got to share with someone and there's a the whole social distancing thing was still around. So they opened the entire thing to swimming and I just don't think they realised what pent up demand there was yeah, yeah. just to get outside because of lockdown, but also, you know, for swimmers yeah. who, who want to swim, you know, like the whole the whole of the reservoir was just for swimming so one lap was um i think if you did one whole really big lap it was at least a thousand meters like a kilometer crikey um, <laughs> so it's really it's not for the faint-hearted really is no it? <laughs> i mean now what they've done is they've put a boom across it so there's a permanent swimming area and then they now still do all the other water sports um but that's the best kind of wild swimming experience you can get in london really apart from the serpentine is is the the West Reservoir. Yes. Um, but then London is really lucky with all the Lidos. And Definitely. Open air Lido. Some are heated, some are not heated. Um, I think it was this 
this time last year, I swam in Hillingdon Lido for the first time. Yeah, I didn't know there was one. Um, which is it's not heated, but it's a, a 50 metre pool. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah. So they're opening again soon. And you get to see different parts of London. So obviously there's Parliament Hill Lido, which mm -hmm. is a bit easier to get to than the Ladies Pond because yeah. it's at the bottom of the hill. So I've swum in uh, Tooting Beck. That's yep. freezing. That is definitely not heated. Yeah. <laughs> I well, nearly froze to death and I did two laps and I had to come out because I thought my legs were going to drop off <laughs> see once it gets like this time of year when it's warm enough outside yeah, yeah. yeah the water will still be cold but because it's not so cold when you get out yes exactly then I, yeah exactly. then i would go to like start going to the unheated ones mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah there's hillingdon there's parliament hill london fields lido which is heated that was done up for the 2012 olympics because i think it was used as a training pool okay and um, so that was a great investment so that's part of where hackney put their Olympic money was into London Fields Lido and you know they've, they've seen the benefit because that is absolutely Definitely. full yeah you have to yeah. book ahead now a 50 minute swim yeah bosh bosh it's full all the time which is great to see it's well, really it's really good one of the the I hate using the word legacy but it is one of the legacies of the Olympics is that a yeah. lot of the, the sports facilities yeah. are, are being used to their 100% aren't they and, yeah and, and are so grateful for that to have that um, around for Londoners to use now and it wasn't just sort of a pop-up that then was taken mm. down. Yeah and I think going back to 2012 the atmosphere in London was absolutely fantastic. Well, just, yes, yeah. I, I mean, felt to proud to be a Londoner. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean totally and I love oh, I love I love the feeling of I think there's one time we'd been up to um, Manchester my, my stepdaughter lives near um, Manchester so we were coming back on the train and we were we were greeted <laughs> at Euston Station by all these people in their pink and purple coats, and it was just—it was actually really nice. I was like, "No, it's all right. I know where I'm going, yeah, but it's really lovely to my home too. to see a smiling <laughs> yeah, face." Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think it really showed the best of us, and yeah, and I think the investment for me, because I love swimming, so obviously, London feels Lido. I haven't swum in the Olympic pool yet. It's on my list mm -hmm. for Do some reason. Should we walk? Should we walk up yeah. and go down by the river? And yeah, see let's look at some more water. Yeah, yeah let's, let's look, look at some, some water. Some, I was talking about water. some water. Um, yeah. But Abigail, so we've talked about cycling. We've talked about swimming. I know one of your other real loves is art. And, Indeed. Um, and uh, in in many different formats, from mm. painting to radio to um, music, singing, and and that whole manifestation of of art where does that come from is that something that you've just developed yourself or have you been is it from coming to London and all the uh, the opportunities there are to discover your artistic creative side um, has allowed you to do that or what particularly has got you into your love of art for, for me I think I mean there's a number of things when I was younger but definitely coming to London and meet meeting my husband Kevin because he's Art's just kind of part of his everyday life, creating something or painting or recording a sound and manipulating the sound. And, you know, I think for me, he just, he made it really accessible. Yes. I'd always thought of art as something in an art gallery. Okay. That artists do. Yeah, yes. Interesting. You know, I'm just like, oh no, I never, wasn't very good at drawing and, 
you know so yeah I mean I would say primarily it's from you know sort of since meeting Kev and him just being really open and encouraging and you know we'll just get a pencil out and just do a scribble or a doodle or you know it relaxes you just do it so yeah. I think really since then I've I've always had quite often a sketchbook and I doodle and then sometimes I might make those into like bigger pictures on an A3 sheet or a canvas mm -hmm. so and he also really encouraged the photography I mean Kev's been a real inspiration and a real kind of catalyst of just encouraging that because it's something that makes you a whole person we want to we all need to be creative in some way and yes for sure yeah yeah so that's definitely where it came from I mean my initial I suppose appreciation of art and understanding that art can change the world is um, when, when I did I did A-level history mm -hmm. at school and we, look, we, we did the Renaissance period. So when I was 17, there was a small group of us and a couple of teachers and stuff. And we went to Florence or Firenze, Firenze in, yes. in Italy. <laughs> and, and I was absolutely blown away by the art, the architecture, the deep meaning of it all, the how it, you know, it, it, it transformed the whole of Italy. I mean, you can see it in every street you walk down. You're like, oh my word, this is what it can do. And then, and then I went back and thought, actually, this is what the Grand Place in Brussels is. Because mm -hmm. I'd been there and not realised, you know, not realised so much about the Northern Renaissance. So I think that, that really opened up my eyes. And we had two teachers at school who we did the A-level with and, you know, just really opened my eyes to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, the, you know, the importance of it to, like, Henry VIII. He wanted to look good and <laughs> what that meant, you know. And the, the crafts people, the artists that had patronage and the things they created. And mm -hmm. you're just like, wow, it's huge yeah, and it's so yeah. important. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, that's that's why. So I mean, I've I've done poetry. I do drawings. I do abstracts. Yeah, yeah. I'm quite into line drawings at the moment. Okay. Because I like like you can do like outlines of buildings, but then you, when you look closely, you're like, oh, the lamppost is really interesting, and that becomes <laughs> the main thing in the picture. Or and then the shapes in between all those things, all the shapes that are created. Yeah. That you see and. Yeah. yeah. It's what, what, what you yourself see is the main focus, isn't it? That's what's so interesting about art and how we all perceive it or carry out art. It's very, it's very individual, isn't it? Yeah, but definitely, you know, meeting Kevin, moving to Waterloo and just suddenly, oh, there's all these little art galleries. There's Morley yeah. College at the end of the road. There's yeah. free exhibitions in the South Bank Centre. Yeah. And, and also, when we first moved in, Tracy Emin was on, um, lived below us in our flat. How oh, did she? Okay. So Kev, Kev had known her for, for years because she, she originally lived in our housing co-op mm -hmm. and um, only met Tracy a couple of times, but she invited us to her first big retrospective, like ex big exhibition, which was at the Camberwell, Camberwell College. Yeah. Um, so we went along to that. Oh, Whoops. I nearly tripped over tripped a gravestone. <laughs> Oh, we're now in St Mary's Garden Church yes. and the Garden History Museum. Yes, I mean, this was one of the places I discovered when I first met Kev. We used to come here and... Yes, the Garden, garden Museum is lovely, isn't it? It's changed. But They've had a huge overhaul of the whole place, yeah. haven't they? 
But then these little oases that you find in London. Yes. Um, but yeah, going back to Tracy Emin's that yeah. first exhibition, just just like realizing like how personal her art is, but just how beautiful a lot of it is. Mm. Mm-hmm. But the deep meaning to it and her honesty of talking about horrendous miscarriages and you know just awful things that happened to her, and yet having met her, like oh, she's just a regular person like she's just but she's an artist yeah yeah yeah. and I was just like oh normal people can be artists I mean a lot of people wouldn't call Tracy Emin normal but do you know what I mean like she I don't know she she didn't go to some posh school and some art college or you know you'd hear about people traveling around Italy for years to learn the craft of painting and, and she did stuff that it wouldn't necessarily immediately look like what you thought it was going to be you know it could be impressionistic and mm-hmm. I don't know it re- that that gave me loads of confidence to it's, just produce some art sure sure um, and I think that's that's the key isn't it and mm. I think certainly nowadays I mean this is I'm, I'm kind of leading us on to where you're now working at Waterloo mm. and St John's because I, I just had a podcast chat with with Giles, the vicar yeah. of, of St John's recently. <laughs> who's my but, new boss? Who's hey. my new boss, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, but this whole, da- whole idea of art and individualism um, and community and what you're now trying to do, not trying to do, but what you've been engaged to help with is the development of, of uh, community, screen man, uh, development of community within London SE1. Yeah. as individuals but so by by um developing their individual creativity yeah. you're actually helping the whole community to flourish i think those were the words you used actually in your on your site is that correct as of what you're trying to yeah i mean the, the bridge at waterloo that's where i work now and the bridge of waterloo is the bridge between the church and the community so the idea is that we open up all the new space that's being created underneath St John's Church for everyone to come in and be creative mm. and to flourish and to do what they want to do. So my job at the moment, outreach, engagement, I'm going out, I'm talking to groups of young people, older people, different people that may have used the church in the past but haven't been able to, it's been closed for a year, yes. um, or have never been in it. Mm. have walked past it yeah um you know say well what how can we work with you what can we do yeah um because you know we are going to have these beautiful inspiring spaces yeah and that's what i feel the community should have community centers shouldn't be some dark and dingy thing with a leaky roof with steps up to the building so if you if you have any mobility issues you can't get in so we're going to have a fully accessible building yes which is just going to be really high quality yeah toilets that work <laughs> very know, important yes. just accessible toilets that work that yes. aren't used as store cupboards and, yeah, yeah which I will make sure that never happens <laughs> um, so it's just you know having that space but things like the Waterloo Festival we just invite people who probably wouldn't normally get a chance to have an exhibition to come and exhibit some of their work or mm-hmm. it, it's all in the planning but some kind of open talent create community takeover um, which we're planning at the moment where we're just just invite people in to just do their thing yes yes in a nice space and feel how does the space work yeah. and that's really key and i think i think that the church has always been like that i mean last year myself and kevin and Stu, we're known as flux soup mm-hmm. we put on this production of heartwood which is a play a short story written by um sarah gray 
and she's somebody who's got motor neurone disease. Oh my goodness, Sarah Great, yes. She, um, I sold her books in the bookshop, yes. Yeah, yeah so, lady. you know, that was the first time there'd ever been that scale of live kind of performance of one of her short stories. That's There's amazing, been readings yeah. and podcasts and stuff. So yes. we, we actually put on a one-off show where we built a forest at one end of the church opposite the altar with a big projection screen and lots of camo netting. Um, <laughs> so uh, the church, I feel, has always been open to that kind of thing. I, I, don't, I don't worship there. I'm not a religious person. Um, but I've always been connected with St John's. Mm -hmm. I've always been... I've always walked in there at times you know you come over waterloo bridge and you're like oh i'm actually exhausted just go and sit in the church yes, yes. you know on a hot day it's really cool on a on a cold day it's the warm place to sit and yeah. it's sanctuary it's so quiet oh, sorry. yeah it's so quiet when you go in those doors yeah and yes. and the new building is going to have a much bigger entrance lobby area where you will just be able to go and sit because that'll yeah. be sectioned off from the nave area of the church yes. so so those who want to be more um, seek spirituality be, can mm. be in that in that uh, that part of it. But yeah. those who just want to speak, uh, uh, I don't know, be more creative or just be quiet can be in a more of a quiet space at the yeah. start. So yeah, but, and, and we're so close to the river, to the South Bank, but we still want to be that place of sanctuary. So it want to be creative space, but you know, people need time to just sit. Yes and not feel under pressure. And that's you, London, you, isn't it? London yeah. creates this dynamic and... And, 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 and I, you, you need that to be, to be created. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need that to be creative. You, you need the space yeah. to just go, reflect, sit. You know, and I think I said this earlier, I, I absolutely crave silence. Like, I really do. <laughs> Maybe it's having tinnitus in my ears or... Yeah, it, it, take, it, it takes a long time. If I go somewhere really, really quiet, like I said, I like the middle of nowhere. I like remote Scotland or mm -hmm. the Peak District somewhere. If I, once I'm there for a couple of days, my ears stop ringing. Wow, yes. And that's just a magical moment for me. But yeah. you can get that a bit when you sit, if you sit in a nice, quiet space for long enough. And yes, yes, definitely. Now, oh, we're, just now we're enjoying the view here of the Houses of Parliament exactly. and Over, the tides coming in. It was, the river was really high, it must be spring tide time obviously, but it was, very, it was the highest I've seen the river for, for a very long time. So. You can smell the sea. You can, and look they've got a lot of... Um, oh the Covid memorial. Yeah, the hearts all along, mm. painted on the wall. I haven't been along here since that's been created. It's really grown. I, I came along here the other day and I hadn't been here for a while. So initially it was just the bit in front of St Thomas's Hospital, but now it goes almost up to Lambeth Bridge. Yes. And I don't think there's much they can do about it, really. I think it will just be here forever. Mm. Everybody's written, written things and... Yeah. It's it, really beautiful, isn't it? Uh, it, it is really moving and someone's put daffodils all the way along as well, bunches mm. of daffodils oh, yes, as well. So every time you come down there's flowers and there's new hearts painted on the wall. Um, Shall we walk down? Do you want to walk down? Yeah, the side? we'll nice walk down to the London Eye. God, I remember that arriving. <laughs> yeah. That was did fantastic. You see that, did you see the London Eye being pulled up into position yes. then? Yeah. yeah. Watched every bit what? of it arrive by boat and then they put it together on the river flat yes. and then pulled it up. 
it, it was fascinating to watch, really amazing. And then at one point there was the Greenpeace or climate change protesters who actually set their tents up on it. Oh, did they? Yeah, they were like, you know, like mountaineers, they have like hammocks yes. and things. So, and they, they took it over for a couple of days. Did they and really? I didn't realise that. Yeah, it was quite terrifying watching them climb up it and put, then put tents up and things. But that's why I love living here. There's always something different happening. And, you know, when the um, Extinction Rebellion closed West, um, Waterloo Bridge, I mean, that was absolutely fantastic. Yes, yes. And I don't know if that helped persuade them to put the cycle lane on Waterloo Bridge. I mean, I know that initially was done in terms of COVID. Yes. And it's still there at the moment. But that completely changed all my cycle routes. I never used to go over Waterloo Bridge on my bike because it was too busy. Um, and I, I, it stopped me going to the Oasis swimming pool because I just thought, oh, I, can't, I can't cycle there. I'm not even going to go. No. no. Um, and I recently started going to the Oasis again because it's really easy to just hop on my bike, go over the bridge. It takes me 10 minutes to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a lovely outdoor pool in the centre of Covent Garden. Yes, yes. It's another secret I don't want people to know about. A bit like Archbishop's Park. I remember Park. you telling me about that, and I still, I still didn't uh, get to that swimming pool, but I will go. It's, it's great. I mean, it's Camden Council. You just book a swim. The sauna's open again on the poolside now, so you sit, you have your swim, and then you sit in a sauna outside. It's, it's, it's great. It's so good. This is incredible, isn't it? It's very moving seeing. I didn't realise there were quite as many hearts. You see, yeah, a lot of people coming along, they're making specific pilgrimages to write, to write their loved ones' yes. names on here. Died from COVID. And there's the Canaletto Towers of St Thomas's Hospital. I know, it's a lovely, I mean, the architecture all along, on both sides of the river here is really stunning, isn't it? It's just, this was a great place to come in on your bicycle when you, if, it's, if you're early enough. I mean, mm. in midsummer, too many people walking along here to really ride a bicycle, but it's a beautiful spot to come. And it's cycle. really lovely that someone has put, like about every five yards, there's yes. a bunch of daffodils along the memorial wall. Yeah, I don't see how they can, ever changed this. I don't think this wall is listed. And I think it's a lovely thing to do. Yeah. And it, it makes much more sense than putting a padlock on the Millennium Bridge, which is only going to get cut off. Exactly. And damage the bridge and then cut off and dropped and into the Thames to poison it. You know, painting pink and red hearts on a wall and writing someone's name. Well, I'm wondering whether they were red and they've just, they've tried to wash them off and they've gone pink but they haven't disappeared maybe they faded a bit yeah. but um well, i don't know they're just different colors mm. i mean sometimes there's a a stall and information as well from the people who started it I've, okay I've seen them down Happy. here um talking to people about why they did it and yeah how they started it i mean it is such a wonderful idea because I think, I don't know if St Thomas's Hospitals was one of the first places where they treated some of the COVID patients. I think it was the first place in was. London. Yes, yeah, yes. And maybe some of the first deaths happened here. So, and then the fact that it's opposite the Houses of Parliament exactly. is like a big Has reminder, guys, look at this wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really, it's very good. So we're walking on, on the stretch between Lambeth Bridge and Westminster Bridge. Yeah, get to know your bridges. Yes. If you want to come live in Waterloo or come to Waterloo, which bridge? You know, I mean, if I if I talk about like walking bridges now, so 
Um, if I want to go to Victoria, I might go along to Vauxhall Bridge and over, or Lambeth Bridge to Victoria. Yeah. Then you go over Westminster Bridge, you've got Cycle Lane. Yes. Straight through the, the middle Victoria of Westminster Street. Square yeah. that takes you to St James's Park. So yes. you, from from basically like what let's say Lower Marsh in Waterloo, you can get in a cycle lane and end up at the Albert Hall mm -hmm. in a cycle lane yeah. the whole way. And that's it's the amazing thing about London wonderful. and cycling now because it has oh. changed. And initially when I was in London, I would be too scared to cycle. I cycled on the pavement to be honest, but now I feel quite happy cycling on the road but also I know all the back streets to cycle down and but yeah since it's lockdown I think even the the, the uh, they've rerouted a lot of the 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 traffic uh, system haven't they so it's all a bit confusing <laughs> but it's made it much quieter for the cyclists too which is a good thing yeah yeah, yeah it, it, it is great I mean like now every Wednesday morning I do a women only bike ride from St Andrew's Church mm -hmm. Partly because generally I don't work on a Wednesday and I wanted to make sure I got out of bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love cycling anyway and I would get up and cycle on my own, but I just thought if I arrange to meet a group, I've got to think of a different route to go and I've got to kind of plan it and get, you know, and, it, and it's how I've met so many friends through cycling, a lot, particularly women, because I often do women-only bike rides. Yes. Um, I do mixed ones as well, so my husband can come and other friends, but you know, a lot of it is uh, women-only ones. And yeah, I mean, my friend Zoe lives around the corner. We kind of met through cycling. You know, we met through a few community projects every now and again, we'd see each other because we'd be at the same, the same meetings about things in Waterloo. But <laughs> once um, she joined one of my Breeze rides, so Breeze is British Cycling's women-only network, so Breeze champions were all trained ride leaders. Okay. So that means that we've done a course on how to plan a route, yes. which includes toilet stops and brakes yes. and safe routes for people, and we've all got first aid training. Mm -hmm. And we can all basically fix a puncture and get the wheel off your bike. So if you come with us, it's great, because you know that we can usually fix things, basic things on a bike. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's how I met, um, got to know Zoe really well because she came on a few of my bike rides and then during lockdown when you were allowed to like exercise with one person, because we were suddenly both working from home and not getting any exercise, yes. um, we started doing early morning bike rides before work. So we would go like twice a week at like seven in the morning throughout yeah. lockdown and it was oh, absolutely yeah. fantastic to just get up because I wasn't cycling to work neither was she so, oh, I need to do some exercise and you know that was the time when all the roads were closed and I mean we were just weaving up and down Oxford Street and just, <laughs> just absolutely loving it you know like the freedom I think a lot oh, of people have brilliant and hopefully a number of those people carry on cycling exactly, exactly. because they've then discovered those routes and okay now those routes have got traffic on them again but if you know where you're going that's a lot of the confidence factor I think Definitely. is knowing a route and so when I do my routes I they're always quiet routes include as much cycle lane as possible um, so that people could then do it on their own you know mm -hmm. once they've come a few times with me and mm -hmm. you know there's lo lots of women over the years who've taken up cycling they've come on my rides and then they start cycling to work and then they start cycling to the cinema and it just mushrooms I mean Jane's 
one of my earliest members of my, my breeze riding women only group and you know she it's only 2013 I started doing them. Okay. She now leads her own rides yeah, for yeah. like Southwark cyclists and stuff. So, you know, there's all sorts of lovely stories like that. And I've met just really good friendships. I mean, apart from Zoe, who would do early morning bike rides. So you have different friends for different reasons. Okay. There's my early morning cycling friend. <laughs> and then Jane, who likes later morning or afternoon. And we meander. So like if I meet Jane and again during lockdown, you could meet one other person, so sometimes I meet Zoe in the morning, in an afternoon or something, I'd meet Jane. It was just fantastic meeting another human being. Yes, exactly. Because you're on your bike, you're outside, you can, you're socially distanced and um, we did some fabulous rides. So now if people want to hear, listening to this and are in Mm. London and wanted to join you for an early morning Wednesday cycle, how would they, how would they find you? So there's a website called Let's Ride co.uk okay and that has every ride you just pop your postcode in and it will tell you where the rides are near you oh, okay. and then you so just book online and join it brilliant and if it's a free thing to do as it's well. free yeah. yeah it's British cycling That's a great idea website there's mixed men and women rides there's the breeze women only rides um, so they're all on there I mean mine is for, for women it's every Wednesday 930 St Andrews Church mm-hmm. meet us there and it's always quiet routes, cycle lanes, we always take in a couple of parks, if there's time we stop for a coffee, Yes. Yeah. it really depends on the group, I mean we might do 10 miles, we might do 20 miles, it depends who comes, I'm really flexible, I yes, know, I know yeah. so many different routes and like today we did a figure of eight, which means that you, you go like you do two loops and if someone doesn't want to do the next bit of the loop they don't have to they can drop out we can decide to shorten it yeah. we ended up making it longer yeah yeah so today we went from so we met at st andrew's church which is brilliant because it's got an accessible toilet and you can top your water bottles up so mm-hmm. it's a brilliant place to start and it's obviously linked to some short street it's in short street opposite the young vic yes yeah the other end of short street where it meet, meets like weber street and stuff um yeah so we meet there and then, um, even though this isn't part of my job, it's kind of connected because St. John's and St. Andrew's are like sister churches. So, yes. Um, Giles, the vicar, said it's fine to meet there. Okay. <laughs> and it's just really cool because quite often you meet somewhere and there isn't a toilet at the start. And because I'm starting from Waterloo, some women from my ride, they're, they're cycling from Camberwell to get to me to start the ride. Yes, yes. So they might need the loo at the start. Very important. Yes, you want to go start the cycle ride comfortable, don't you? Yeah, so 9.30 every Wednesday, we start at St Andrews, and we were always back by half 11. Mm -hmm. And today we went to London Fields. Should we go, which way should we go? Go in the subway. Yeah, subway. Um, Yeah, so on the way there, we went over Southwark Bridge. And through the city, through Moorgate, but all back streets get to Old Street and then there's a cycle route up Pitfield Street to Shoreditch Park. You go past Shoreditch Park, you get to North Church, which is a big church, and you turn right and it's a straight line to London Fields. Okay. So it is actually quite a straightforward route. Yes, yes. And then we came back via Columbia Road, which is the oh, flower, market flower market on a Sunday. Perfect, but yes. During obviously during the week, it's, still, it's, just, it's, it's a street full of plant shops and coffee shops yes. and pubs and it, 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 it's really lovely. Yes. It's much lovelier than this subway underneath Lambeth, <laughs> <laughs> underneath Westminster, Under Westminster Bridge. Bridge. But at least it's 
keeps us away from traffic and we're, yeah, just, um, it's a bit dark, is it? Just quite the lighting. So Abigail, yeah, based on all the time that you've spent in London, where for you is your favourite place to go if you were wanting to go to just um, be quiet and then also a place where you like to go to eat? Where would you go? God, where would I go? Mm. Well, I think it would always involve a bicycle ride. Okay. It would always involve a cycle ride because I just love that sense of freedom. I get on my bike and I'm instantly age 10 again and I'm off <laughs> on an adventure. I know that feeling. <laughs> I just love it. And like, I've got so many favourite places, but in terms of doing a ride where you don't have to think very much, um, just going over to the three parks, so St James's Park, Green Park, a lap of Hyde Park, and then come back to Lower Marsh for a coffee. Yes. Is, is, is like, just lovely. Yes. So Coleman coffee. Okay. I, that's the best coffee. <laughs> Me, it's the best coffee it was very in good. London. We had one to start with, didn't we? It was very good. <laughs> and, and they have, yeah, amazing pastries. So like, you know, pano raisin and... Yes. I keep trying not to have, but they're so <laughs> it's nice. It's too tempting. <laughs> but yeah, that's just like a really simple bike ride. And mm. at the moment it's absolutely wonderful because the blossoms out, the tulips, the daffodils. Yes. And yeah. then as you go through the summer, all the different plants come out. And, yeah. you know, it's, you know, we're so lucky in London having those parks. And, you know, on a Sunday, I don't, I don't think they do it on Saturdays, but definitely on, on Sundays, all the roads are closed. They are, aren't they? So the mall is closed. Yes. I mean, why they can't just close that all the time? Why on Would earth? Good, <laughs> why on earth that road is open? You know, the mall, Birdcage Walk. Why they are open? I just don't understand it. Because of the sheer volume of tourists that we're going to have in the summer, we are going yeah. to be absolutely mobbed. Aren't mobbed they? Yeah. Easter from now onwards. Yes. People are desperate to come to London because they haven't been able to. And I just think we are. I mean, we're always mobbed, but it's going to be even more than normal. Yeah, yeah. We need that space for people. Yeah. There's not a single bus route on any of those roads. Yeah. So why? They are only open for private car users. What? Why? I don't get it. The Mall, all around Buckingham Palace. And I can't see, answer it. I the just, number of yeah. people who like Buckingham Palace. You're just mm. like, you have to close the road. It's so dangerous. So yeah, that is a fabulous place to cycle through those three parks. And one of my other absolute favourite places is do that, do the same ride through all the parks and then come back, cycle on the cycle route along the embankment, so yes. the north side of the embankment. Oh look, police, on, I haven't and seen that for a long time. Police, police on a, speedboats. Speedboats. With wow. a siren. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah, so the other one is to do the three parks and then come back, go along the embankment cycle route and then go in embankment gardens. Oh, absolutely beautiful. Oh, yes. Or just pull I've over, get off, walk through the chain of gardens along yes. the embankment and then go to the the coffee place in Embankment Gardens next to Embankment Tube and and then also underneath uh, Charing Cross Station is a fantastic falafel shop. Is there? And those guys were open during lockdown. <laughs> um, how many times they say, oh, my, I'm starving, I've, I've gone out and I've, I've done this massive long bike ride, much m further than I planned, because yeah. the streets were empty, you would just go and go and go, and I'd be out like for hours and then think, oh, I'm starving. I'm like, oh, favourite falafel shop's open, <laughs> get underneath Charing Cross Station, and I ended up with a reward card. I did? Yeah, <laughs> I had so I had many a, falafels. 
I had a reward Whoops. card for a falafel shop. Um, that was London, London Dungeon. Dungeon. Okay. <laughs> Very um, dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> so just, I think just simple stuff like that. A really yeah. good coffee and a pastry. I absolutely love it. Yeah. And yeah. And a falafel. And a, you know, a park. Yeah. But yeah, but a falafel. I love falafels. Absolutely love them. They're just great. And all, all the different it. salads you get with it and the yeah. squirty garlic and the chilli sauce. I mean, it's just... It's really fantastic food, but I think that also comes from um, spending a lot of time in the Middle East. I had two big trips there. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, look at that, fish and chips. No. Um, yeah, so I've got cousins who live in Israel, and I'd always wanted to go to Israel, so I went just after me and Kev were married, mm -hmm. so 97. So like I said, we, we met in January, proposed to each other in May and got married in August. Um, then I went to the Middle East for about for a couple of months travelling. Okay. Um, so I went without him. Yeah, it was with a kind of a group and a big truck. So I had an initial time in Istanbul on my own. Then I met with this group and this big truck, and we camp. Okay. So we went from Istanbul to Cairo. Wow. And so via you know Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, all of those places. Wow. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I was vegetarian then. I'm, I do eat some meat now. It's changed over the years, but I was vegetarian for a really long time. And so falafels is pretty much all you can eat. <laughs> but it didn't matter because I absolutely love them. Falafels and hummus. Yeah. Like if that was the only food in the world, I'd, that wouldn't matter to me. I can eat them until the cows come home. No, I just absolutely love falafels. Um, yeah. So I spent. We go down this way. It's getting quite um, busy here. This is. The, yeah, uh, we could go into Jubilee Gardens. Oh, We're now yes. on the London Eye, right, right which still amazes me. Yeah, I know. Still me takes too. my breath away. Yes, I mean, I you look up and you just think, how did they do that? Yeah. And you get it was flat on, and it was flat well. on the river, and they pulled it up. Yeah. And yeah, I've just noticed for the first time that the poem upon Westminster Bridge. Oh yeah. Is Earth is not is, anything to show. Is right there on the London Eye. I've never seen that before. I love Wordsworth, it's, and this is one of my favourite poems. It's a poem my dad liked, and I, I, I actually read this poem at my dad's funeral. Did you? Wow. Oh, wow. Very touching. It's brilliant. I never knew it was there. So while you're queuing for London Eye, you can read Wordsworth. There we go. I never knew that, because I have actually been here as well, and I'd never noticed that before. No, oh, I, I don't know how long it's been there. Wow. Anyway, Fantastic. falafels. Falafels. Really falafels. good coffee and a pastry. And Perfect. I only, generally, I, I only have one coffee a day. I've had two today. Um, so I, I just save it and I really appreciate it. I can't drink too much caffeine. No. It sends me absolutely crazy. <laughs> and I won't sleep for a week. Like today, I can already feel it. I'm like, I've had two, oh flat, two flat whites and... And the sun's out. <laughs> yeah, it's all going to my head. Oh. Well, Abigail, so where do, where's 2022 going for you? Well, where would you like to take 2022? Well, it's kind of... Basically, work, working three days a week is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Sorry, up up till before Christmas, I was working four days a week, but actually it was more like six because it was a really full-on job so when I finished that I had a break and so like starting 
Yeah, starting at St John's and going back to three days a week, having more time is just so nice. You can go out for walks, cycle, swim, all those things. I've done more sketching already and more drawing. I possibly do some more work at St John's when, you know, if there's more work available, because I think once the, once the church reopens, which will be the end of June, there's going to be so much we want to do and there's so many projects that we're planning and you know, like fundraising for. So, yeah, I might not be able to resist doing extra work because it's so interesting, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. events and concerts and gigs and talent shows and all the stuff that potentially we can do. I think it's just really exciting and to be part of such a, you know, a positive team. Um, you know, everyone's got ideas, everyone shares stuff. We meet every Monday and plan for the week and share how we're feeling and it's just so nice. I mean, at a team meeting, someone asks you how you feel. I mean, maybe <laughs> yeah. I've just been in the wrong job for quite a long time or... Yeah, yeah. It, it's a really in, it, quite insistent that people say, how are you? And they really yes. mean it. Yeah. Like, yes, and it's yes. really nice for someone to ask and... It's, it's genuine. Yeah, it? and I feel like I could say to kind of any, any member of the team there, if I wanted to talk to someone to say, you know, you know, something bad's happened. Mm. Like, it would be easy to talk. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I'm really looking forward to the church opening and different things we're going to be able to do. I mean, on a personal level, my husband's still working full time, but has agreed with his boss that he's going to go part time. So they're looking to recruit like a an assistant to do some of his work. So yes. that'll be great. We're both working three days a week. We'll just have so much more time together, and we're actually. Um, kind of in the process of buying a narrowboat. Are you? Yes. Fantastic. So, like it, many people, they've taken to the river. The yeah. Because over the years, I've done up, up until about ten years ago, I did loads and loads of sailing. So I love being on the water. I love swimming in it. But I've done lots of sailing. I've I've done lots of long distance, like offshore sailing, and I've done the fast net race. I've done racing. I've done all sorts of stuff. I've I can't think of the places I've sailed to. But um, this is going to be much slower. Which is great. Comparison. Yeah, and so just the idea of being on the water. And for years we've talked about should, could we get a camper van? And I hate driving. We live in central London. It takes so long to get anywhere if you're starting from here. Yes. And I don't want to have a car at all, anyway. And when, when my parents died, so over the last couple of years, first my mum and then my dad. And then we had COVID, so it took me, my brothers and sister, it took a longer time than we thought to empty the house and then sell it, sell it, sell everything yeah. and sell the house. And we finally did. And, you know, it's not enough to buy a house. I don't like the idea of a second home. I think that's kind of weird um, anyway, because you're going back to the same place all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a traveler, even though I've lived in the same housing cot for 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> but. So yeah, we, we started looking at canal boats and spoke to a friend who lives on one and she said she knows someone who's selling one. So we kind of, yeah, we've looked at loads of them. I've been on an, another boat to look at the inside. We've, the boat that we're looking at buying, we've been on it, we really like it. So yeah, we're just waiting to see how that pans out. Wow, and, so. and that was why I really wanted me to be part-time and Kev to be part-time so that we can do some travels on our boat and yes, take some time yeah. out of work, holiday, maybe some unpaid leave if we can both have a break. Um, yeah, to do to do some long trips and yeah, and slow down. And, yes, yes. You know, because I think as soon as you're just on the water or by the water, 
it's completely different. You're not Definitely. on a road anymore. You're no. not. There isn't the traffic, and it's a different vista. You're down on the water. You're looking eye level at a duck or a swan, and yeah. So we're gonna, you know, hopefully if it all goes through, we'll we'll try having a boat for a year. We're gonna have to move it every two or three weeks. It doesn't come with a mooring, mm-hmm. um, but I kind of like it as a bit of a challenge. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've spent like I think the longest I've been on a yacht is a month, you know, and that was literally we didn't. I didn't see any land for at least 12, 15 days. This like, is a totally different experience, you know, isn't it? Really? So I, I can live in a tiny space yeah, with yeah. a number of people. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, this, this is, for me, this is a big space because I've been on some very tiny yachts <laughs> across to France with five people. So, so this is, for me, it's like, oh, this isn't small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how yeah. exciting! Yeah, so Abigail. that's, that's yeah, that's 2022. Hoping, yeah. hoping that we boat goes through, um, and, and just have it as a little, you know, as a kind of a, an escape, a bolt hole. When we've got friends from outside London and family who want to come and stay, they can stay in the flat. We'll be on the boat. Yeah, you know. Ultimately, I don't know if I want to live on the boat full time. We'll see. You're, you've got the option to try yeah. it out first to see. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Abigail, for sharing so much about your life and what you've been doing and, and, and about London, because that's really important for people who lived in London or have visited and just to hear the insights of what London's about now in 2022. And um, do keep us posted about your boat, your canal boat. I'd love to come and visit you on your boat. <laughs> yeah, that would have to be the next podcast. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, and good luck with, with uh, Waterloo St John's reopening and all the community work and social activities that you've got lined up. I hope they all come to fruition and are successful. Um, so to all our podcast listeners out there, uh, I hope you've enjoyed our conversation and been inspired by Abigail and my discussion. It's been really, for me, definitely very inspiring. And I've learned a lot about you, Abigail, as well as London. <laughs> um, and I definitely got to get myself to Mersey Island this year if I can. Finally, Abigail, if anybody wants to get in touch with you and the work you're doing at St John's, what's the best? Where's the best place to get in touch with you? And also with um, the bike rides you've mentioned. Oh, some, Flux Soup. Flux Soup. Yeah. So Flux Soup is on Facebook. If you mm-hmm. type in Flux Soup, okay. we're the only ones on Facebook. Okay. Um, and we're yeah we're looking to do some stuff at St John's and St John's website is stjohnswaterloo.org and there's a link to the bridge at Waterloo on there Perfect. so you can so con- they want yeah, to contact, contact me contact through me. yeah contact me through stjohnswaterloo.org brilliant okay um, yes if you've enjoyed the podcast please share with your friends please do subscribe please give us a rating and a review to the Travelling Through podcast that helps the guests to reach a wider audience and which is really important. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. There'll be another podcast coming out next week. But for now, take care and thanks for listening.